I've been what I've sort of been doing on Sunday nights past couple weeks is going through what we call the standard sheet um, the standards of conduct conduct for officers of Christian workers talked about church attendance last Sunday night and um, two weeks ago we talked about uh, having a having time in the Word of God so tonight uh, I'm doing a message sort of in preparation for uh, what's on the standard sheet where it says wearing a modest clothing or hair or clothing that is not appropriate to my gender and um, so this is a this is a preparatory message for that you know really all these things this is this is kind of really preparatory for all that all these I guess but particularly some of these because uh, all these things are not outer issues they're really hard issues um, I don't think we have any well there, there might be one back there but I'm not sure we we used to have a book in the bookstore called dress the heart of the matter and it's really a hard issue is what it is and um, so anyway uh, so this is kind of a preparatory message for that but Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 these are of course is a very familiar passage it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your word, and I pray as we look into your word tonight that you would encourage us and challenge us and search our hearts, Lord. Help us to allow you to transform us into the image of your dear son. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as is typical or pattern, you might say, in many of the books over the epistles that Paul wrote, uh, Romans, the first 11 chapters, are basically doctrinal in content. In other words, this is true, this is true, this is, you know, this is, this is what's right. Talks about justification, and sanctification, um, and, and, and so on, and those things. And then in chapters 12 through 16, uh, it talks about the application of those things. So the first, is, first 11 chapters are basically more doctrinal in content. The last five are practical. If you notice, he says, I beseech you there you therefore so knowing the truths that he's just expounded upon this ought to be happening in our life there ought to be we ought to be yielding our bodies we ought to be a living sacrifice we ought to be we ought to be doing that which is acceptable in the sight of god it is our reasonable service we you know we have a lord and master that that is not does not expect or ask unreasonable things of us. And, of course, he tells us how to not be conformed, be transformed. So, first of all, as we think about that tonight, you know, somebody says doctrine determines Christian duty. What a man believes is revealed by what he does. 
Your proverb says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you're thinking in your heart. I challenged young people last night about their minds. And, 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 and Peter says in 1 Peter 4 that we need to have the mind of Christ. And we need to arm yourselves with the mind of Christ. And, of course, the mind of Christ, or his motto, you would say, would be simply this. I do always those things that please him. Talking about his father. That was the mind of Christ. That was his motto. And, of course, it all begins in the mind. It, and I use the word that I, I don't think I've ever used in my life before. I don't even know where I got it, but somewhere it came out of my brain. But, so I must have put it in there. It exudes. That word exudes means it oozes out. It oozes out. You know, we are, we are not to be just conformed. Conform, con, you know, you could conform. The idea of confirmation basically is this. Okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get by? What do I have to do to get along? That's conforming. No. Transformation has to do with, like Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It's a different attitude. So as we think about that, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. The word present here has the idea of yielding or, or of giving. And it carries with it the idea uh, to exhibit, to view. So giving or yielding to as an exhibit or to put on display. You know, one of the things that Paul said three times that no one else said. By the way, he said it under inspiration. So the Spirit of God directed him to say it. Follow me as I follow Christ. So what he was saying is, I'm, I'm, I'm a, my, my life, my body, my whole life is an exhibit, is on display as to what a Christian ought to look like in this world. You know, Paul was the one who said, I die daily. Um, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our, my Lord Jesus Christ, he said in Galatians chapter 6. So, so it, it carries the idea of, ex, of, of yielding to exhibit you know, as a public display. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, again, writing to the church at Corinth, in verse 13, uh, he said, meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Then verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify ye God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You really... That's what baptism is a picture of. You know, look at Romans chapter 4, or Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. It says in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not 
serves sin. So we're, it, it, you know, baptism is a is a, a testimony of saying I'm burying my old life and I'm going to resurrect to new life and I'm going to endeavor to live in the likeness of Christ. I've yielded my body to Christ. I've died to self and I've yielded to Him. And so God wants us. He says to present your body. Again, God doesn't force us. God's not a, a uh, uh, unreasonable uh, dictator. He doesn't force us. The Christian life is a life of volunteer. We're volunteers. But he asks us, or he beseeches us, by the way, it is good for you. It is the best way for you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, so we're to yield ourselves. There's to be a presentation there also needs to be a there also needs to be dedication. Notice he says here, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That speaks of devotion. That, again, that speaks of, of dying to self. Um, you know, you determine or purposing in your heart that you're gonna live for God. You're willing to give up your own ambitions, your own desires, what seems right to you is no longer important. You know, Daniel purposed in his heart. He had dedicated himself as a living sacrifice. He knew there was a possibility he might get his head cut off, that he might die. But he was not going to defile himself with the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had dedicated themselves. In fact, it says of them that they yielded their bodies. They were a living sacrifice. They were willing to die rather than bow to Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And, and so the idea here is to serve the Lord with a whole heart. You know, sort of like Caleb. He, Caleb had a different kind of heart. It wasn't what appeared easy, but what was right in the sight of the Lord. He was willing to sacrifice himself to be obedient with the Lord. And we need to seek him with the whole heart. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Psalm 119, verse 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Lean not unto thine own understanding, but all, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Of course, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You see, we need to be a, we need to be a living sacrifice Somebody said the problem with the living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> we need to be willing to be a sacrifice. You heard about the, the chicken and the pig that were arguing about what they were going to have for lunch? You know, the pig wanted eggs and pancakes. The chicken wanted ham and eggs. The pig said, that's easier for you. For me, that's a sacrifice. See, we need to be a willing, a living sacrifice. We need to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice. 
And then he says in verse 2, well, of course he says these things are a reasonable service, but in verse 2 he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed. Again, as I mentioned, you know, we, are, we are not to be conformed. The word conform means to, to fit to a mold or fit into a pattern. And God tells us, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to put you into their mold. You know, the world, with its programming, and it's programming. You know what programming is? It's, it's manipulating things to get you to think a certain way. And the world is trying to program us to, to think and to act the way it does. And of course, God has his own program. And so, you know, we are confronted daily, we are bombarded with ideas, um, with ways of doing things, from, from, the, from, from, from media to the, the, to the books we can we, you may read, the things you see out there in the world. We're constantly bombarded with the world's way of trying to tell us that, that you need to conform to a certain, certain uh, pattern. But God says we're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be conformed to the image of the Son. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, you know, we talk about cultures. You know, in there's different cultures in the world. If you were to, if you if you live in Maine, Maine's a different culture. Um than North Carolina. They're a different cultures than Pennsylvania. They even talk different. Um you know, they don't pronounce their R's. Or they do stick an R on the end of where there's not an R or something like that, you know. But, but there's, there are different cultures. Even within states, there are different cultures. You know, I've often said there's a city culture and a, night, and a, and a rural culture. And, and I believe it's true. Uh, but, but, you know, so the world has its own culture, but I believe the Bible has its own. You know, some, some things in culture is, are okay as long as they don't contradict Scripture. But when they contradict scripture, we're to follow the word of God. We're to fit to the pattern of the Bible, of the Bible. Uh, you know, so, so the Bible has its own culture. And, and, and our desire should be to, 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 to pattern our lives after the word of God. To not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so let's not be conformed. But God wants us to be transformed. Transformed. If you notice in verse, again, verse 2, 
be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are a lot of people in our day that have conformed. but haven't been transformed. Now think about it. In the Bible times, who were the conformers? Who conformed to the law? The Pharisees did. You know, they had certain, a certain code of conduct or a certain code of ethics that they were adamant about. But Jesus said in their hearts, they were like dead man's bones. They weren't right with God. It wasn't something that was in the heart, but it was just an outward appearance. You know, many people in the world have a religious appearance. Of course, you know, being around, growing up around Amish, you know, a lot of people think, boy, they're very religious. Yeah, they are. They're very religious. But it's all the outward. It's all conforming. Like one boy said, I said, uh, I said that doesn't sound that doesn't sound consistent. He said, "Well, I don't make the rules; I just play the game." See, he's just conforming to what was commanded him by the bishops. So it was all just an outward conforming. There was no inward transformation. You know, God wants us to be transformed, transformed, and and if we're gonna really have God work in our life and draw near to the Lord, it's going to require a transformation, not just a confirmation. So if you think about transformation, <coughs> excuse me, as we contrast these two, these two, the word transform has the idea of changing from the inside out. It's an actual change of heart. You know, the word, that word trans, be transformed comes from the, uh, uh, the Greek word metamorph. Uh, it's not metamorphosis, but it's very similar to that, where we get our word metamorphosis. And of course, like a butterfly being completely changed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's only used four times in the Bible. Twice it's used where it says where Jesus was transfigured. In other words, he was completely changed, came radiant. White as snow. So that's the idea here. And, uh, and if this comes, this, this, this isn't just the outer man. It has to do with the inner man. You know, a lot of people say, we'll say something like this. And I've heard this excuse for not, for not adhering to Bible standards. Well, God looks in the heart. Man looks in the outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. So the outward really doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter because that's where man's looking. And, and, and we'll get into this next week, possibly. But, but we are to project a certain image, the image of Christ. And so man looks on the outward appearance. That's what he's looking for. God looks on the heart. So the question we need to ask ourselves, is our heart right? Has our heart been transformed? Um, go to Ezekiel chapter 12 for just a minute. Ezekiel chapter 12. Ezekiel chapter 12, 
verse 17. some reason I don't seem to be in the right place. I'm sorry, it's Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 17. Ezekiel 11, 17. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. They shall come hither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart, and I will put, notice, a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them an heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinance as do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for them whose heart walketh after the heart of their detestable things, and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, saith the Lord God. God says that you know, when he brings Israel back after their dispersion, which is still yet future, he says, I'm going to give them a new heart. I'm going to give them a new heart and a new spirit. And because they have this new heart and this new spirit, he says, they will walk in my statutes. And they will keep my ordinance. It'll be out of the heart. Not like the Pharisees, it was just all outward. But it's something that comes from within. So God wants to, us to be transformed. <coughs> Excuse me. And again, this is done by the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. I go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter. Five. I have five, but I'm not sure that's right. Um, Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, verse, verse twenty. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil, let him the soul steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And so he talks about here uh, being renewed. You know, when you realize, like we said this morning, when you realize that you are poor and destitute and helpless and cry out to God and, and receive him as your Lord and Savior, he gives you a new heart. And then he says, you know, so, so, so since you've heard of him, have been taught by him, 
and your mind's being renewed, then you're going to start putting off lying, put on truth. You're going to put away anger, and you're going to put away stealing, and you're going to start working. You're going to put away taking and start giving. And you're going to put away uh, a filthy communication out of your mouth. You know, when a person truly gets saved, when, when they do something that displeases the Lord, the Spirit of God will convict them. And there will be a hunger and a thirst to do what's right. You see, and that comes from not the outer man, but the inner man. You know, again, Caleb said, see, Caleb lived from the inner man. He said, I gave my word as it was in my heart. It was in his heart. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 also speaks of this principle, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about working to be saved. He says working out your salvation. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So as... as once you are born again by the Spirit of God, and God begins to work in you, your salvation is going to show itself by transforming your life. By changing it on the outside. You know, when a person says to me, it doesn't matter what my outside looks like, you know what goes in through my mind right away? Is this person really saved? That ought not to be the attitude of a child of God. Because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us any such thing. In fact, it tells us contrary to that many times. You know, uh, Titus chapter 2 says, the, the grace of salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness, a world of lust, to live righteously, soberly, in this present evil world. That's what grace teaches us. I don't care what Charles Swindoll says. You know, Charles Swindoll said, you know, he wrote a book. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Grace Awakening, I think it was. Basically, the premise was these people that teach the Bible uh, has, has, you know, teaches standards and certain uh, things we, how we ought to live by are killjoys. We're killjoys. So we're all killjoys. No. You see, again, the, 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 the idea of transformation is, uh, is what wilt thou have me to do? It's not what do I have to do to get by or what just gets me in the door, so to speak. Again, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Another passage that these people like to ignore. Matthew chapter 5, 
Verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments. What commandments? The law. And shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of, of heaven. Now, and he goes on and talks about the law. You know, the law said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, thou shalt not look on a woman to lust after her in her husband. So he's saying it's not just the, the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. By the way, you know, and people will say, well, but we don't need the law today. It's Null and void. Now, none of us can keep the law to be saved. And in, and in that sense, it has been null and voided by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But in him, he says, we fulfill the law. Look at, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Of course, this chapter tells us that, that uh, verse 20, for example, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is knowledge of sin. So the law shows us what sin is, and you and I as, as human beings, as sinful creatures, cannot keep the law. We break the law. And so we cannot obey the law to be saved. That's why Jesus had to die. But Jesus kept the law. He fulfilled the law. And so we conclude we're not justified by, by the law, but by faith. But notice verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish it. What we say then is, the law is good. The law is God's righteous standard. It is what we ought to strive to live by. That being given a new heart, I, it ought to be my desire to try to obey all of God's laws out of reverence for him. Not, not to earn my salvation but because I am a child of God, and I desire to please him. You know, that's why he said of, in Ezekiel there, chapter 11, he's going to give them a new heart, and their, their desire is going to be to keep his statutes and to keep his commandments. See, again, you, it's a matter of Asking ourselves this question, you know, instead of saying, what do I have to do to get by? It's like Paul said, Lord, 
what wilt thou have me to do? That was open-ended. That was, that was like writing God a blank check and saying, you fill it in. I am willing to do whatever it is you ask. I'm willing. I'm desirous. Go to uh, <clears throat> James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You know, this is, this is really what it boils down to, I, from my perspective. Um, what is our desire, or what, how close, or what kind of a relationship, what kind of fellowship do we want with the Lord? Oswald J. Smith said this, Quote, to obtain God's best, we must give our best. To win, we must surrender. To live, we must die. To receive, we must give. Now, James, chapter 4, says this. Verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So it's a matter of how near do I want to be to the Lord? How great, you might say it this way, how great do I want my relationship with God to be? Do I want the most out of my walk with the Lord? You know, sort of like marriage. You know, a lot of married couples go through life and, well, they just sort of live together. They don't really have a loving, close relationship. They live in the same house. You know, they may have a couple kids. Sad, what often happens is the kids are gone. They don't know what to do. Because they don't have a close relationship. You see, to have a close relationship in marriage takes time. It takes work. It takes sacrifice on both parties. And if we want a close relationship with God, it's going to require time and sacrifice. You know, if I, if I buy a, a vehicle, I want it to last until the wheels fall off. I don't buy new cars. I don't buy new trucks. My newest car is a 2002. Not because I couldn't. But I'm a stickler about changing oil at the right time, checking fluids weekly, 
some of them daily. Uh, when they get a certain age, you know, and they start to wear out, and you know, weekly. And you know, I have fi figured out that even one that uses oil, I can run a long time if I just check the oil every day. It's called maintenance. It takes time. And if you want to get the most out of your Christian walk, you need to have a heart that's seeking to do the minute things. What most Christians call the least commandments, or they would, what's the other name for them? Um, the non-essentials, thank you. You know, we, we, we in, in our Baptist churches, we divided God's commandments into essentials and non-essentials. And, and if you would be preaching something like this in a lot of Baptist churches, you, you know what the pastor would say? That's a dead issue. It's a dead issue. You can't preach that around here anymore. I had one preacher say, I don't, I don't preach on standards. It, all it does is cause division. You're robbing your people of a close walk with the Lord. Again, it needs to be a heart issue, not you need to do this and you need to conform to my standards. You know, I've seen that too, and it, that's very damaging. You know, church I pastored in Maine, the guy before I was there wouldn't even allow the ladies to wear culottes. And he was an adulterer. Well, that makes a lot of sense to him. He ruled like a dictator. He commanded and made them do, you know, and, and, it, and it caused, it caused confusion and rebellion. It wasn't because they didn't do it because they loved the Lord. They did it because he said that he made them to. No, it needs to be, this is, pleases the Lord. This pleases the Lord. Uh, and again, you know, what, what, the, the question is, what do you want or what do you desire? Do you desire the best from God? Go to the Matthew chapter 5 again. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. And, and, you know, and think, think about this in relationship to the message this morning. You know, when, woe to them that are full, woe to them that are, that are you know, uh, rich, and, and woe to them and all that. And you think about TV evangelists and, you know, guys like Billy Graham that are very popular and, you know, and uh, Joel Steen and here I am. You know. But notice what this says. Think not, verse 17, that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fill. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So you want to be great or you want to be least? Again, this goes against, just like this morning, this goes against human nature. It doesn't sound right or reasonable to human nature. But God says, if you want the greatest out of your relationship with me, you're going to keep the least of my commandments. You're going to desire to, to, to please me and follow me in the least things.
And if you allow the Lord to transform you, I've often said this, if you allow the Lord to transform you, it'll come about automatically. In other words, if the word of God fills your mind, and I mentioned that word exudes, it has the idea of oozing out. You're going to find that as you spend time in the word of God and you study the word of God and, and your desire is to obey it, first thing you know, you're going to be doing all these things without even thinking that it was a sacrifice. You won't see it as a sacrifice. You'll see it as a delight. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So, what we need is to yield ourselves, to dedicate ourselves, and allow God to transform us. It all starts in the mind. Transform our mind. That has, we have to change the way we think. You know, I used the illustration here some time ago about certain things I didn't used to like to eat, like tomatoes. But I eat tomatoes, not because they necessarily taste good, but I've learned to eat them, and they don't taste that bad anymore because I've figured out they are good for me. Same way with onions. I'll eat onions just by themselves. Onions are good for you. When I was 16, you wouldn't get me near an onion. What did I do? I had to change the way I think. If we change the way we think, fill our minds with the word of God, it will ooze out in everyday life. So might God help us to allow him to transform our life so that we can operate for God at peak performance. Shouldn't that be our desire? Let's pray.